Hello everyone and welcome back to the Just Interesting People podcast. Today we are speaking to Yadira and Jeremy and her met a couple of months ago but I'm going to let Jeremy introduce her properly but thank you so much for being on the episode with us Um, and thank you everyone for tuning in and listening. We really hope you enjoy this episode. I think it's going to be emotional Um, so just get yourself ready with a tissue maybe. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to hand over to Jeremy. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you guys for tuning in once again. Um, yeah, so today's guest is uh, Yadira. Uh, we met in September, if I remember well, uh, when doing gratitude training. Uh, we did everything together, the whole journey, <laughs> actually. <laughs> yes. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, it's been a bit more than six months now. And uh, well, during this time, we spent quite a lot of time together uh, <laughs> sharing personal stories and with a good bunch of people um and interest interestingly enough like i've I've never heard the, the the story that we are about to talk about um i've heard some little things about it here and there but i've never yeah got the whole story so i'm i'm i'm, I'm gonna be like everyone here <laughs> uh as as a listener um but yeah like you i Honestly, I was anxious to ask you to come on the podcast because I didn't know if you wanted to share your story because I know it's not an easy one. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but when you said yes, I was like, honestly, so happy uh, because I think it's 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 going to be really powerful and emotional, like Rosie said. Um, yeah, I keep saying, but I'm not saying what it is. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to, we, we're just going to start and, and, and go in. Um, yeah, like so. Uh, the the reason I asked you to be, uh, if you wanted to be on a podcast, is because I remember during the part one, and I I really remember the exercise. Like, we were supposed to share a complicated moment of our life, and and I remember the um, the coach. Uh, what was his name? Um, Barry, Barry. <laughs> uh, was that? Like, yeah. So you pick a story, and then you know you talk about it, but don't get something too big and 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 some people were like is that too big is that too big and i remember you raised your hand and he was like uh i'm a 9-11 survivor is that too big and he was like yeah definitely way too big and you got another story and i was like oh shit um i was gonna say what was the reaction in the room was that did it just go quiet and everyone was like holy shit or like well after we got into the exercise so yeah, it was kind of that was it if i remember right like, I don't remember going into further much, much detail about it at the time. Uh, no. So thank you for, for having <laughs> me, guys. And it is my pleasure to be chatting with you uh, today and sharing my story. Um, what I remember from that day is that, you know, I did want to work on that experience and that memory if there was anything else for me to work out through. And even though we moved on to the exercise, it caught a lot of people's attention because I, I, you know, a lot of people came up to me after uh, the session that we were doing um, to talk about it. You know, there were people's different experiences. There were some New Yorkers there. Hmm. Um, there were some uh, rescue workers there too. So, you know, different people had different perspectives. Yeah. But um, it, it's my, the, you know, one of the biggest life-changing, life-defining moments of my life. And that's why I, I brought it up. And I always wondered uh, through life, why did I have to live through that? That was my first job straight out of college. And I could have taken any other job. Um, I was actually working with a headhunter. And she thought that that would be a good fit for me. And I was a business major. So it really didn't matter which job or where I worked. Um, and being a New Yorker myself, it was a nice, you know, nice thing to for your first job to be at the World Trade Center yeah. and to, you know, to work for a finance company. You know, that was it was really dreams realized even for and, my parents. And I guess being in New York as well, like the big city, bright lights, you know, like the place to be. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I am a girl from the Bronx. So I grew up, mm. you know, in the Bronx. I'm an immigrant, you know, so it is like you look through my life up until that point And it's like, yeah, this is exactly what I'm supposed to grow up and do. I went to college. My parents, you know, made the sacrifice of moving to this country for my education. And here it is. You know, this is how I choose to do it. The American uh, dream. Kind yeah, exactly. Of thing, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I remember when I interviewed there, I asked, oh, you know, if anything ever happens, because this my, my office would have been in the 100th floor. 
and I asked, if anything ever happens, like, how do we get down from here? And I remember the girl told me, oh, we just go down the stairs. And I was like, <laughs> that's a lot of stairs. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, don't you guys have like a slide? I was expecting something more modern than stairs from the hundredth floor. They were like, no, just stairs. And I'm like, mm, okay. You know, and I still, that was in the back of my mind because of what had happened in the nineties. Right. Mm. Cause this was 2000, you know? So it was, it was something that I was uh, curious about, but it didn't deter me. You know, I got the job offer and I took it and I was very happy, you know, for, for a while there, you know, started meeting new people. I made lots of friends and my life was, you know, seemingly just fine. Yeah. Um, and I did know I wanted to go to grad school. So I was searching after maybe around a year or a little bit before the year of um, where I could go to grad school, if I should go in the city and work at the same time or, you know, leave the city. So, you know, that was part of my my time there, too, as a young 21 year old. Mm -hmm. um, but I, to me, I was living the life, the life that I wanted and the life that I had worked so hard um, to have. And then um, that September 11th happened. I, I can tell you that day why I'm actually here today. I can tell you that um, that was Election Day in New York. And I've always been a, an engaged citizen. Ever since I was in high school, um, I've always been engaged. And I went to vote in the same place that I had voted many, many years before, and many times before. And that day, curiously, they couldn't find my registration. So they sent me to every single table in that voting location, and no table had my registration. So at the end, they told me, you're going to have to vote, you know, do a manual ballot. And, you know, we were allotted from work 30 minutes, either at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day to do your voting. So mm. I went ahead and, you know, took it in the morning and I did my manual ballot. I got on the train. I know I'm already, you know, going to be late, but this is perfectly permissible. And I was a little frustrated because that took longer than I expected, but it was fine. My train did not open the doors, even though they said the next stop would be the World Trade Center. And people got really upset, you know, because obviously, you know, look at the time. We don't yeah. know what's going on um, because they, were, they didn't announce it. If you were on the train on the subway, you did not know what was happening mm -hmm. up above ground. So they didn't announce it. It didn't open the doors. So I was like, OK, I'll just, you know, get off on the next station and walk back to the office. And when I got out, I looked to, to the buildings to see which way I'm going to walk. And that's when I saw the fire mm. and everyone, um, this is, this is right outside of 60 Broadway and everyone was out. I mean, it was madness. And I, we started talking amongst each other and I'm like, oh my gosh, this happened on purpose. And people were like, yeah, this is deliberate. So the first thing I think about is like, let me call my parents because they're going to see this on the news mm. and they're going to think I'm All up right. there. And my cell phone didn't work. So I was making a line for a payphone. We still had those back then. <laughs> <laughs> so I make my line for the payphone. I get my dad on the phone and I tell him I didn't get to go up to the building. So I am not there, you know, and it seems like, well, I'm not going to have work today. So I'm just going to go shopping. I was supposed to be on vacation later that weekend. I was going on a cruise with my girlfriends. So I said, I have a few things that I need. I'm going to go, you know, and do that. So my dad was like, oh, thank God you didn't make it. Everybody's calling the house, trying to find out about you. We're glad you're doing fine. And I hung up the phone. That was the last I heard, you know, that I communicated with my parents until the very end of the day. At that point, because there's so many people around, I still decide to walk closer to the towers because I want to see my coworkers. And I want to see, you know, that, that they made it out, you know, what um, if I bump into anybody that I know. Did you know what was happening at the time? Or you just know like... I just knew that the uh, plane had uh, deliberately hit the tower. Okay. Nobody expected them to fall. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, so I, as I was getting closer, um, I hear the rumbling and everything went dark. Hmm. And that's when I didn't know what was happening. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're bombing Manhattan because I couldn't see. Hmm. Um, and then I tried to run in to a store who has shut their doors, we're not letting anybody else in. And then I, I run across the street, like I can barely see. So I don't know if there were cars around, I don't know. I was, you know, and I just said a prayer and I ran and I saw um, 
men crouching down in little like dents in between buildings and i saw a light of a 60 broadway that's actually how i know that that you know that built that's that building because they had a revolving door and i was able to go in there and just sit on the floor and i just started crying because at that point i'm like i don't know what is happening if i'm gonna make it out of here um there were a lot of other people in my same predicament i looked very young so people thought I was maybe like a high schooler. I had a backpack because I was going to the gym afterwards. <laughs> and I was wearing gladly tennis shoes. Um, and I remember an older gentleman telling me, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And they took us to a conference room in that building that had uh, food left from a morning meeting. And they said, you, can, you guys can eat, drink water, whatever. Um, but we have to be here until the mayor releases us. So mm-hmm. it was hours before we could get out of there again and we couldn't talk to anybody uh, the phones were not working at that point it was just radio information and we were getting radio updates from the mayor um you know he, he was the one that was going to say you know it is not safe to step out and breathe that air right. uh, it is not safe for anybody downtown you know manhattan to to get out so i waited for hours and then when they finally said that it was safe uh to get out um, I stepped out and there were police officers giving us coffee filters to put in front of our faces mm-hmm. so that we can then start the, the walk home. To me, it was a long walk home because I'm in the Bronx and um, the trains were not running. So I, we were walking by foot on the FDR, along the FDR. The people that lived around there had gotten out of their homes with gallons of water and cups and giving it to us as we were making our walk. Um, And I saw all kinds of people there, you know, trying to help one another out. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, I had to walk from Wall Street to 59th Street. So if you know New York, that's a lot of blocks. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the train, on the 59th, then I could get on the 5 train and get to home. And I made it home maybe around 5.30 p.m. And, you know, when mom saw me, she started crying. Because then at this point, Mm -hmm. I was covered um, in that white dust because I had been outside yeah. and, you know, I was, um, I was glad to be home, you know, and at that point it was, did my friends make it? Are they okay? I remember, uh, one of the ladies from the company calling everyone. She had to call everyone's house to make sure that who made it and who didn't, mm-hmm. who made it home. Um, so I remember receiving that call and letting her know that I had made it just fine. Um, and I asked about my friends, but she couldn't tell me at that mo- at that moment. Um, so yeah. And um, did you watch it on the TV that evening, that like, afternoon when you got home? And how, if you did, how was it to actually see the planes? Because I remember I was like twelve, or I don't know, I was young anyway. I remember we finished school, and then the whole evening and the whole I don't know, couple of days, next, like week or so, it was just over and over and over, just seeing those planes going into the building and all the footage and all the reactions and everything. How did you feel first watching that? Um, At first, I couldn't believe it because I had not seen it. I had come out in in that it had already happened. So I couldn't believe that somebody would deliberately do that, right? And to experience that firsthand, it's like, wow, like how much hate um, exists to to drive anyone to do that. Uh, And in terms of watching, I couldn't get enough news and I was glued and I couldn't sleep because the news was the only place where I could... Uh, receive or find out if my friends were going to be okay. Um, Because every time they announced they found someone or they found, you know, they identified someone, it was on the news first. And I said, I know that I'm just waiting to hear the names. I'm just waiting. And I remember one of my girlfriends at the time, she came to stay with my parents and I, and she wouldn't leave me alone. Because she knew I was up, you know, till the wee hours. I, I was falling asleep on the couch just watching the news. Mm. And I didn't want to turn away. I would watch the English news. I would watch the Spanish news. Like anything that could get me any information. Mm. Um, I, I remember how painful it was to, to watch the clip of the people jumping. And I know that they removed it after a couple of days. Yeah. But I do remember seeing that. Uh, and then after the fact, um, going back to work and doing group therapy... And having a daughter of one of the ladies that jumped be in the room, you know, so that I've never forgotten that either. Mm. So when did you find out if your friends were okay or not? Was it a couple of days? Was it a week? Like how long did it take to, you know, fully 
get all the information that you wanted? So it was after I lost hope after a week, which is why I was glued to the TV, right? Because when the newscaster said, at this point, there is no hope of finding anybody else alive. And I knew they had not made it home. And, I, you know, you, you pray like, oh, they're, maybe they're unconscious in some kind of hospital or maybe they're, you know, they're unconscious walking around. And it's like at one point you're like, no, you, you have to accept that they're gone. And then we started planning when the family planned a memorial service. That was closure for me. Mm-hmm. Right. And I went to both memorial services. I had these two girlfriends um, who were older than me. They were both, I'm from the Dominican Republic, so they were both Dominican and they were both moms of young children. So these were my lunch buddies. Uh, One of them, we actually had a running joke that I was her daughter because when we would go out, people would ask if we were related. (laughs) (laughs) So we we had, these were people also that were not just work friends, but become your friend friends because I had gone to their homes as well. Um, and I had met the children uh, the night before. I remember planning with this one friend of mine, with uh, with Rachel. We were talking about savings for her oldest son to go to college. And I said, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll discuss. I'll point you out to what you need to do so that you can plan, you know, for savings for him." So that was the last conversation that we had. And they would advise me on enjoying my youth before becoming a mom myself. Um, and, and it, it was it was it was beautiful to have that to think about your lunch buddies think about the people that you prefer to spend that time with and think about the conversations that you have in the laughs that you share you know those were the friends that i lost um, my company as a whole lost 172 people uh, seven of those were from my department the financial services department and two of those were my friends so d- during the week <clears throat> After I guess like you, you you were trying to get in touch with all all your workmates and you're finding out is if they made it home like slowly and and everything right. Yes, so hmm. we were the the ones that had made it out. We're talking amongst ourselves to see you know hmm. what did you hear, okay. who did you talk to, um, you know. So it was that that first week it was just us trying to piece put the pieces together right. back together, um, literally. Yeah. Because we had we had lost everything, um, and then waiting and being glued to the news to find out if if anyone that we knew had been found, and then mm. the 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 flyers going up. Oh my gosh, because that was a reminder. If you saw somebody's face on that flyer, you know they didn't make it home. Mm. You know it was the family coming out here, trying to piece it all together, trying to mm. find something. Um, and when the cameras would pan and I would see their faces. Oh. Um, so that was another reminder. I'm like, yes, I'm not the only one looking for them. Like, look, they're still missing. Yeah. Um, so that was an experience of those fir- that first and second week. Um, and then after the first week, after we all you know, came to grips with if they haven't made it home, if we haven't found them in a hospital, they're not coming. Mm. Um, and after that, it was planning a service to celebrate their lives, you know, to, to come get together and, you know, be with the family during that time yeah. and let them know how appreciated and loved they were. Um, so, you know, that happened those, those first two weeks. And it wasn't until I think a month, month and a half later when we all got together again. Mm, okay. Okay. So, yeah. So after that, I was going to ask that, like, I, I, I mean, because it's hard for us because, you know, we were in another country. So we, I mean, we just had the TV and yeah, we were pretty young as well. So I, so after that, how long did it take for life to, to go, Mm -hmm. to come back to life again, like normal life again? How long, what happened between now? So I remember that it was October when we had uh, one of our clients host us at their offices in upstate New York. Mm. And they said, you know, anyone that can make it uh, come on this day, we're all going to come, you know, and get together here. Um, If you cannot make it, you know, we completely understand. So it was completely optional. Um, But I can tell you that we all wanted to see one another. Uh, We all wanted to be around one another because we felt that only the people that have experienced this can get what we're feeling at this time. Yeah. And 
that was bittersweet, I tell you. That reunion, um, I remember seeing some of them in bandages still, in casts. Mm. And it was beautiful to see them and painful at the same time. Uh, one of my coworkers uh, had, had been one of the last few people that they got out of, of the building before they fell. And he came down the flights of stairs with a broken leg. Um, and he was in a cast. He actually, we, we asked them a lot of questions because we wanted them to confirm, did you see so-and-so? Did so-and-so make it out? And he was able to confirm, yes, I saw so-and-so, but so-and-so did not make it out. Um, we had, the building had two elevators that you had to take to go up to the 100th floor. So one was a, a, an express elevator that took you up to 78. And then the 78th floor, you could take your individual elevator to mm. go to the individual floor. So what happened on the second tower is that the plane hit right around the 78th floor, the elevator bank. Some people were waiting there for the elevator because our tower had not gotten hit. They were still trying to get out, but they just thought it was a tower oh. one problem. So they were trying to get out on the elevators and many of them died on impact because of that. And only people that were there in the elevator bank were able to see that. Okay. So, you know, that day was about that, you know, confirming if they saw, you know, who did they see and celebrating those of us and hugging one another, those of us that have made it out and, and seeing and understanding that we were not complete. Um, but we were celebrating each other there. And it wasn't in terms of normalcy, it took a while for us. We even had to find, you know, a new location of where to meet. And when I tell you we lost every last thing, like every last stapler, every last, yeah. there was nothing salvageable. Uh, so we had to start from scratch and print our files again and, you know, come to a, to a new building with new everything and just try to put the pieces together, which at the same time that it was daunting, it was also therapeutic because, and I remember talking to a therapist about this because I was thinking, like I said, I'm like, oh, should I just, you know, forget this and just go to grad school? Um, and people were like, don't, don't make any big life decisions at this time because you're yeah. mourning. And I was like, yeah. okay, that makes sense. So I staying back and rebuilding for me was uh, therapeutic because I was giving and I was going through the process with people that understood my emotions. Some days I was going to be happy and some days I was going to be depressed and missing people that were not there. And we had group therapy at the office. So we were able to do that there. We had a lot of volunteer therapists as well because I remember uh, going to, um, to an RN's house um, during the week as well, during my work hours to get my individual therapy um, throughout the, the months after. Um, so, so healing within a group of people that have experienced what you've experienced was also helpful for me. Mm. But it, it wasn't months until, it, you know, it was months later until yeah. life felt like it, we were back to a rhythm. I didn't want to take the train at first because that made me anxious. I actually remember taking the bus even though it was going to take me longer, even though that, that ride was going to be, you know, completely different and more expensive, but I was going to take, you know, an air-conditioned bus where I could be above ground at all times to and from work. So there were alterations for me. I remember not wanting to travel uh, on planes after, and the first trip I made was actually to my sister's house who lived in Ohio, and I wanted to to pick up my two-year-old nephew, who was, you know, at that point, the light of my life. And only because of that emotional draw could I bring myself to do that, mm. you know, because had it been for work or for fun, I don't think I could have brought myself to travel. Um, but I knew having my nephew near me was going to make me feel better. Yeah, and I, I, I was going to ask you about that. And how, I, I wonder how long did it take you to go back to the World Trade Center. Oh gosh, that was. <laughs> um, there were different phases, right? So I can tell you that while it was still closed, I have a friend that is a police officer, or that was at that time a police officer, and he said, "If you want to go, 
I will take you. And this is somebody I, I really trust and is a family friend. So when I was ready, I told him, okay, let's go. And he, he went with me and he was like, you could cry it out. You could do it, you know, go ahead. And, you know, he let me have my moment. And I, I mourned my friends at that moment. And then he went to the ground and picked up a piece of cement that I still have till this day. And he said, here you go. Now you have a piece of it. Now go and live your life. So <laughs> I show my kids, this is something that I have at home. I have a, a model of the towers. I have my work mm. ID and I have that piece of cement um, that it is a piece that I carry with me. Uh, wherever I have lived, wherever I have gone, it is a piece of my history. So that was the very first time that I went. I had not gone in years. Okay, my whole life has gone by. I went to grad school, I got married, I had children, had never gone back. They built the memorial, I didn't want to go back by myself. And finally, it wasn't until I was in New York two years ago that I said, I'm going to go and I'm going to take my children. Um, and I went and, and my sister was there with me um, and we took, all, you know, my nephew was there and my three children. And I wanted them to, to see the experience, to be able to ask, because they're already asking me now, because it is discussed in their classes at school. Um, and it was, a, it was nice to see my friends' names on the towers. Yeah. It, was, um, it was, I don't know, like strange to hear the voices of my coworkers because if you've ever been, you know that they have some recordings uh, from that yeah. day, similar to this one, you know, people retelling their story. Um, so, so yeah, and, and then just to be there, I, I, I felt like they, it, it is a beautiful honoring memorial. Um, I felt their, the presence there of the people that we lost. I felt the love and the pain that we carry with that memory reflected there. Um, so I think that it was, you know, well done and I, I'm glad I did it, but it took me many, many years to be able to do that. Hmm. It's very brave to go back there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I went, I went for the first time in New York, uh, three or four years ago, I think. Mm. Um, yeah. Just before we moved to Miami and yeah, it's, it's, I've never seen it before, but yeah, the, the whole memorials they did with, with the names on the on the mm -hmm. things around the, the, the fountain. This, yeah, it's, it's beautiful what they did, I think, yeah. yeah. Yes, I went around to find my friends and I yeah, took I a imagine. picture of each of mm. their names, yeah. Yeah. And um, do you... So I, I, I understand that it took you, like, a lot of time to travel again and everything, like... Um, I guess it's a stupid question, but how um how much do you think is still affecting your life right like i wonder like if every time you take a plane you you think you must think about it right like how how often do you have reminders of of, of things like that because I, I i guess it's, it must be everywhere in a way sometimes i think that i have a different perspective when it comes to tsa <laughs> Most people love to hate on TSA, right? And I remember that we got TSA because of that. And to mm. me, it's like, it, it's TSA and they could be faster, but frankly, I'm thankful, yeah. you know, because if we have avoided anything like that because of TSA, thank you. Yeah, you know. Now, I can tell you that I had been back to traveling more or less, back to normal and not being anxious about it until one time, and I want to say that was probably five years ago. I was asked to travel for work on that same date. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh. Like, I, does it really, does the meeting really have to be on September 11th? Like, do I have to fly on this day? And I thought, again, which is why I wanted, I revisit it every so often because you think that you've moved past certain experiences, but then you have certain triggers. Like that date mm -hmm. for me is still a trigger. Um, and when I was asked to travel, I told my coworkers that I was traveling with that day, look, I'm going to be sensitive on this day and we have to travel. And I haven't done this in so many years on this date. 
So just bear with me. Mm-hmm. And they they were, you know, super understanding and, and friendly and trying to get my mind, you know, off of things. Um, so that was helpful to travel with people, you know, that, mm-hmm. that were understanding of, of my experience. Um, so only then have I had that like sensitivity about travel. Um, and, and I, I did it and I was like, okay, uh, that happened. That's great. I hope it never happens again. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, no, I don't want to travel on 9-11. You know, I don't. Um, one of the things that I noticed, like at this point, I think I, I almost want to like, oh, maybe I'm not sensitive to the date or maybe can it, can it just be a historical event for me? Like it is for everybody else. Mm. And it cannot my body would remind me because even when it is not in my mind, I start getting sad when the date is getting closer. And I'm like, but what is happening? Like what? I mean, my life is fine. Everything's going fine. Why do I feel this sadness that heavy is my heart? Mm-hmm. And then when I think about it, I'm like, oh, the date is coming or, oh, yeah. this is why, you know? And I acknowledge the feeling. Now I do. Now I say, I, this is grief. I acknowledge that you're here um, and I honor it for the time, you know, for a little bit of time so that I can then move on to something else and and shift perspective or figure out how to, you know, honor my friends, remember conversations, remember them, reach out to some of the friends that I'm still in contact that were with me back then um, and let them know that I'm thinking about them too. and share pictures like here's how my family's doing how is yours you know and how's how's your life and that is then how i get around like acknowledging what is happening to me that may not be happening to everyone else who just thinks of it as a historical event that hasn't been personally touched by it uh i sometimes my my friends from back then like that police officer calls me uh, Mm. you know and says i'm thinking about you like on this day uh my parents also call me you know and say how grateful they are um that i'm still here so it's little things like that that happen around that date but Mm. you know it changes the the time does change things um i've been able to watch movies about it with my Mm. husband not with my children yet uh we do talk about it at you know the dinner time on that day and they the kids want me to to retell it or sometimes they share in school or in class that their mom survived it and the teachers are like really (laughs) um so (laughs) so yeah so it is you know we acknowledge it and and it has changed through the years on how we live through it how long did you stay in in new york after that um so i actually ended up going to grad school uh a year Mm. after uh, it was that august um that following august I resigned my position and I moved to Virginia to for oh, okay. two years uh, so that I could go to the VCU Brand Center and I got a master's in strategy. After those two years, I moved back to New York. Oh, um, moved back with my family. I had met my husband who had also moved to New York. So I wanted to, you know, to feed the relationship and see where it was going to go. Uh, and it was a perfect place to start an advertising career too. So yeah. <laughs> I moved back and then I had been in New York. That was like 04. So I had been in New York up until 2012, which is when I moved down here to Miami. Okay. So about eight years. Yeah. And like, that's a question like for you both. So I guess like for, for the whole New York, like how, how was it? after in new york like the the, the whole um, i don't know like because again like for us it's sweetheart because for us it was like you know like on we we watched it on tv and and and, and it was on the news for i don't know how many weeks and 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 then suddenly it was gone you know because because tv talk media talk about something else eventually um but obviously for for people living in new york um and and I don't think how, how much you were impacted. I think every I guess everyone living in New York was impacted in a way psychologically because I, I guess the whole city was scared about about the whole thing. What what was the the atmosphere like in a city? Like I guess fear, paranoia. Like how, how was the whole the whole energy in the city right at, at the time? So I experienced um, 
downtown seemed really sad and quiet because they didn't have the you know the traffic that we were used to having and we had a big hole in you mm. know downtown that is also when for me and for a lot of people i think you realize that new york does have a heart you know people used to think about new yorkers as this like tough kind of people in the concrete mm. jungle and all this kind of stuff yes um, it is that, but people became so much nicer and kinder. Mm. Um, so even the interactions that you got on the train, even the interactions that you got on, you know, public transportation or engaging with the public as a whole, um, strangers coming out of their homes to give us water on that day, like that's before that would have been unheard of. Right. But it is mm. when similar to the times that we're experiencing now, when you realize we're all people sharing this world together. So if somebody hurts and you got something that you can do to help them out, you would, you would yeah. do that. Um, so I think that, that New York became a softer place uh, emotionally. And, you know, at the same time, it was the spirit of rebuilding and, you know, we can get through this and, and we're strong enough to, to stand back up and get, you know, good through it. But again, I think that that, that, latter part took a long time yeah um because yeah I, I remember downtown manhattan not being the same for many many years um so obviously when something big happens in your life whether it's good or bad it affects you and it affects your outlook on life and you kind of change slightly or dramatically or whatever like you know things do change you how did you feel this changed you personally like did you feel I don't know explain to me how did how did like how did it affect you on like a personal level with your life and looking forward mm -hmm. um i think it's a great question because it's something that i think a, a lot about and i can tell you that it it changed me at the exact right time because that's when when you graduate college you're trying to figure out what kind of adult am i going to be and that was it has become also my answer to the question of like, why did I have to live through this? I could have taken any other job. I had to live through this to become the person that I am today. So in my soul searching, I realized I was created to love. I was created to love people, which is why this couldn't, this, I couldn't take this lightly. And because of that, and because it happened in my place of work, and I have coworkers that were there one day and not the other, every coworker that I've had since then, they might not know it, but I appreciate them. Like I tell people like, you might not like people that you work with, but you still have to respect them and learn to work with them. Yes, we're all gonna be different. Because I guarantee if something ever happened to that person, even if it was you know someone that, you didn't necessarily love or was your style or your cup of tea, you would miss that that person is, is there. Mm. Um, so I think that one of the things that I'm very conscious of is my interactions with people I work with. I don't care if I know you or not, I will greet you with a smile. And if my interactions with you could be the brightest point in your day, I will make that so, because I don't know if today will be the last time that you and I engage. And so people see me and meet me now and they're like, oh, you're such a fun person to work with and such a fun personality. And they don't see the history that has made me this person. But this is how I honor my friends. This is how they are not gone for nothing. They taught me this lesson because you learn through the pain. You have to be grateful for your pain as well because the pain has made you the person that you are today. Um, so to me, it's like, yes, I'm going to bring fun to my work because if it is to be, it's up to me. If this meeting is going to be fun, it's going to be up to me. I have to bring it. If my interactions with my friends are going to be enjoyable and uplifting and we're also going to learn, then that is up to me. And that is, you know, what I bring to the table. So I think it has made me have a different perspective in life, a different perspective in people interaction, because it also made me think like, wow, I, I could be gone. And what do I want said about me when I'm gone? I want to be people's brightest interaction. I want to be one of the most loving people that you've ever met. Um, yeah, like, how do you want to be remembered? Yes, yes. You know, I, I want to do the best every single day in whatever role that I have, be it at, you know, at work, 
be it with a friend, a mom, a wife, a sister, a daughter, you know, have I done my best? Um, those are the kind of things that for me at a, a young age, I'm like, it is not about having fun, going clubbing and no, like life to me was so much more than just enjoying the moment uh, because I saw that how finite it could be unpredictable to all of us. And frankly, in a way, it all also helped me work through my fears because fear is an easy thing to turn to when you've gone through something like that. And in my life, I'm like, I, I had to stop being fearful of everything because I told my mom, if today is my day, even in the shower, I can fall and just go there, yeah. you know? So that taught me like, that was not going to be your day. God had other plans for you. So I walk trusting that I am not going to be fearful of everything, that I am not going to be thinking, oh, I'm going to die, or this can hurt me, or I can die from this. Like, well, you know, I, I got my healthy dose of fear, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, but I, I live to the fullest because, you know, if, if today is my day, I could go in my sleep. That, that's not going to keep me away from, from living and doing the things that I want to do. Hmm. I've, I've got a weird question but i know um do, do you i guess not now because i i know you and i know you you love people but like i know that when that happened obviously like it was like a manhunt you know for for all the terrorists and everything and and, and everyone was fucking paranoid as soon as they were seeing like someone muslim in a plane and everything like it was a real thing going on at the time um and like when that happened did you feel like resentment or, or hate for for the people who did that and i did um i i can tell you that i i also celebrated when osama bin laden was killed and i cannot say that i celebrate people's death but that justice was served is what i felt Um, because that, that leader caused a lot of people pain. And again, which is why I lean on love. Even though I was glad that justice was served, I realized that we had the issue that we had to get people to want to harm people at, to that level because of lack of love. Right. And I do believe that if we all were able to allow each other space to be our own people and not thinking that everyone has to think like us. Not everyone has to believe what we believe. Not everyone has to walk the way we walk. And we're all just, you know, human beings trying to figure it out. And we all have the right to have that space. Mm. Um, the world will be a different place. And I, I, don't, I don't harbor hate. I, I think that what we need to do is destroy ignorance because ignorance is what causes so much pain. Yeah. Ignorance when you think that because of somebody is of a different religious belief or a different culture than you, that they are less than or more than, you know, that kind of stuff is, you know, let, let's hold hands and let's discuss, uh, let's have conversations about it. Let's not just start hating because you're different than me. Um, so, so I think that I did feel that at the time, but I was not going to let myself hate a whole group of people because of what one evil person did yeah i was glad that that evil person was brought to justice but i do not hate people as a whole because of one person yeah and 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 the, the other question i have in mind is like did you or do you wonder like why why you made it like why it was your day like did, did thing like that like came to your to your mind especially at the time i guess constantly i constantly thought about that um i lived my life to figure out why i made it there's such thing as survivor's guilt at first i thought mm. why was i spared because nobody depends on my salary i don't have children you know i i could have been disposable but my friends that's actually one of the things that kept me up at night that my friends children we're going to sleep one more day without their moms. And that for me was difficult. And that is one of the things that I had to work through. Um, 
so after that, I needed to figure out when people, people are rejoicing with you and telling you, you must have been spared for a reason. And I'm like, oh my gosh, at 21 years old, that is heavy, heavy yeah. to try to figure out what reason, like, why am I here when I could have been gone or when somebody else could have taken my place? So I, I have learned it's, it's piecing it together as the years have gone by. You know, when I met my husband a couple of years later, he was like, oh, you were spared for me. You know, like, <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. And yes, I was meant to be a wife and I was meant to be his wife. Right. And then I had my children and I'm like, absolutely. These little beings would not be here had it not been, you know, for me being spared. But at the end of the day, I knew that I have to serve humanity. This is bigger than just me. Um, I've been placed in this world, like I said earlier, to love. We are all a manifestation of love. The way we do it looks different, right? Because the gifts that we've been giving is different for everyone. So I have some gifts and I have to figure out how do I use my gifts to show love to people? Um, so, you know, on one end, I, I picked a career that it is, you know, it's, it's advertising and I wanted to be influential for the right reasons. I wanted to give people a voice when I felt like they didn't have a voice, which is why I went into Hispanic marketing back then because it was, it was booming and nobody was really speaking to the market. So, you know, that, that was how I, I was trying to figure out my significance. And then, you know, as the years go by and, and more building blocks, but you know, but what am I, is, is this really to, to create commercials? Is it really what I was made here to do? And it is through learning and exploration that you figure out, well, the same capability and gifts that make you good at what you do can help solve the world's problems. Can, you know, that, that same, idea that same strategy that you use to sell a product or, or sell, sell some fancy stuff can help make people aware of the needs around the world of somebody else's hurt or pain that they can alleviate or you know about a culture that we don't know much about to demystify that we are different when we really you know all the same so you know it has been a journey and I think that I have finally, you know, figure out that the meaning of life and the meaning of, you know, why was I spared is because I still have to serve other people and there are more people to impact uh, with my life. And there's much more joy that I can bring to other people uh, while I'm still here. And I think that that is my job. And as long as I am doing that, I can, I can feel comfortable and confident that I am doing the work that I'm supposed to be doing. Hmm. And well, that that's a really good transition to uh, a little other thing that I wanted to talk about. And and now I understand actually why <laughs> you're doing everything you're trying to do, because um, uh, well, I guess it's being impacted right now with the virus. So I guess this is going to be a change of plan. But um, I understand now that um, why you're getting involved into uh, building a well in, in Dominican Republic to to bring water. Uh, to some people who don't have um, access to, to, to clean water. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Yes, and I actually have some news to share with you too. Oh, I, was, okay. <laughs> I was asked to sit on the board of Blue Mission, so now I am a board member at the organization that I, we will be uh, working with to build um, the aqueduct. So I wanted to um, do a service project uh, because part of gaining, you know, significance in what is next in my life, I wanted to give. And uh, I thought that I wanted to build a water well, maybe in Africa, and I could just fundraise the money uh, and have the water well built. But through the process of identifying organization, I actually found this organization down here in Miami that not only builds aqueduct, but it is in the Dominican Republic, which is my homeland. That was totally unplanned. And <laughs> what a gift and um, that we could actually go and help build it with our own hands. And, you know, remember when I said, like, we have gifts that we may not understand, but they're, we've all been given gifts for a certain reason. And I came home and I told my husband, like, this makes complete sense. This is why I love tools. I'm going to be building an aqueduct. <laughs> <laughs> 
And, um, you know, sometimes when I say it's in the Dominican Republic, people are like, oh, great, you're giving back to your people. And I'm like, that was the universe arranged that, you know, I thought yeah. that I was going to be building a well in Africa. Um, but but yes, this is why, because I see that the impact that we can make in in the community for the children, I, I care deeply about causes that involve children. Um, and I see the change in, in their lives that having an aqueduct can make. Um, every home having their own tap, tap to have water access. Whereas right now, people are walking miles every single day just to have water, maybe not clean water, to, mm -hmm. to cook, to bathe. Uh, and this is why a lot of people get sick and die. Actually, it's one of the leading causes of death for children under five years old. It's just because they don't have clean water. And, you know, to me, it's like, wow, not on my watch, right? If there's something that I can do about it, uh, to me, like no child should go hungry, no child should be lacking, you know, these when our world is so rich in resources. So yeah. if there's something that I can do to help it, I, you know, definitely will. So we were planning a building project for the summer, but yes, COVID has uh, postponed that. And I do plan to go um, as soon as we can plan trips uh, again and, you know, working it through the school schedule, who knows what that's going to be like. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yes, it is uh, an organization that I have grown to love, that continue to, to feed and, and work with and plan for, uh, for our future. And, you know, I'm hoping that, that more people will get engaged because the, the trip, as I have heard, is life-changing. You think that you're going over there and change, changing people's lives because you're building an aqueduct. But what I've heard is what you get in return is unparalleled. Um, yeah, they change giver. your life. Yeah, they do. They change your life. How can people get involved in that? Is there a website? Is there, how can we get information? Yes. So yeah, if people go to bluemissions.org, uh, you can get information there on, on future trips. Uh, so there are trips to build aqueducts, uh, different water uh, projects that they have. There's also a trip for people that are fit and love um, uh, climbing. They do a, um, a Pico Duarte which is a, I'm going to mess this up, but it's probably like 27 mile hike and you fundraise for water projects like that as well. So, you know, uh, people like that type of challenge, you know, they, they provide those types of, of trips too. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 Let, let us know when, when you have the new dates because we were considering it. So that could, Absolutely. Be, that could be really fun, but okay. It's, yeah, it's, it's interesting because like b before we had this conversation right now, you know, I told you that. I wanted to talk about both things and, and now I understand that one is in a way a consequence of what happened before. So it's 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 great and once again everything is interconnected <laughs> as yes. we keep finding out. So it's it's quite interesting. Um I've got like one one last question personally about about, about your stories. Uh, like you said right now, uh for your kids, uh it's it's an historical moment, it's something they're gonna learn at school uh, that people just talk about um, but obviously for for the new generation it's, it's, it, it didn't happen physically like they just read about it or watch it on tv um, and i just realized while we were talking that next next year is going to be like the 20 years um, mm -hmm. 20 years about it um, yeah like how um, I guess it's coming up quite a lot with your kids and, and what's the message you want to give them about everything that happened? Like, how are you sharing it with them? I share, you know, the historical aspect of it. Yes, I do. They want to, to know about the logistics of that day for me. And they, they are quickly, you know, grateful that mommy's here. Mm. Um, but what I want them to walk away with is, you love everyone. You, everyone is a part of who you are. Uh, we, don't, we don't get to say this person is like that or, you know, I'm different, or I'm better. No, you know, we're all part of one human race. So if, if there's one teaching that I want my children to really walk away with is that we are all part of one human race because I believe that if my kids and other children operate like that, the world that they get to create when they're adults is going to be that wonderful world that we would have all helped create. Um, so if my painful experience would have gotten a little bit closer to building that world, 
then yes, you know, this is, this is my North star and this is what I hope we create. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, knowing how much love you give and as loving as you are, I'm sure your, your kids are getting the message about that. <laughs> I have no doubt about it. They it's are. It's a message to want to pass on as well. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. They are both, um, and speaking of the husband that I, that I chose or that I think I chose or the universe <laughs> chose for me is also a service oriented person uh, and uh -huh. a giver. So yes, our family lives to serve other people. And when it's all said and done, we hope that the children carry that through. Yeah, I'm sure it will. It will. Um, oh, thank you for answering all our questions. Um, do you have anything, any other question, Rosie? I don't have any questions. I'm just <laughs> like in awe of how you've just gone through something that's so traumatic and awful and terrifying and it just must have been the worst thing. And you've kind of, you know, worked your way through it and you've learned your lessons and you've tried to pass that on to your children and tried to make the world a better place. And the way that you talk about it is such a beautiful and powerful way. It's not like hateful or... I don't know, it's just beautiful. So thank you so much for sharing. I got emotional a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, cryer Rosie over here. Um, but no, thank you so much for being open with us and for sharing that with us. It's the first time I've ever spoken to someone who survived 9-11. So, you know, it's a first for me and I'm sure it's a first for a lot of the listeners as well here listening to us. Um, yeah, just thank you for sharing. That's all I've got to say, really. It was beautiful. And I can't wait to come and help you with your water project as well. Yes. Looking forward to that. <laughs> well, it's it's been uh, my pleasure, you know, to to do this with you guys and, and to know you too. Um, so, yeah, and know that, you know, for anyone listening, that you can live through the tough times, you know, and find support and don't be afraid to ask. Um, I got a lot of support through the different stages uh, of my grief and working through it. And I hope that if anybody's struggling, they can do the same, reach out. Yeah. And and you you, you got me thinking is that actually, yeah, well, I, I think what I'm going to remember, what I'm going to get from this conversation is that I think after this, this event, you can go two way. You can decide to hate and hate some people uh hate like part of the world and, and 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 you can try to get revenge somehow or you can try to make them pay you know and and that can be one of the reaction or you can decide to i don't know if i don't know if the world is too strong forgive in a way or, or just decide that you know it's 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 the action of one person it's not a group it's not it doesn't define a group of people uh it's it's someone that had bad intention and involve other people uh, but you, you can just decide to to try to change the world to create a better place and not just to get personal revenge that's just going to create a, a cycle of horror and it's just going to get worse and worse and i think to find the power and the strength within you to to go this way like it's probably easy to say but actually really hard to do and and the fact that you've been able to to use that to fuel this loving energy that you have and and to choose this path is really inspiring and 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 it's it's a real sign of hope like usually when shit happen we all are you know like I'm, I'm gonna kill it back i'm gonna get my revenge or whatever but you can actually you, you can walk your way through and and make something out of it and the fact that you've been able to do that it's really inspiring and and yeah it's it's a sign of hope for the future, I think. You're right on. I think <laughs> hate is too heavy of a burden to carry and love is so much better. Yeah, but it's also the easy way because that's, I think, naturally a lot of people go this way. Um, that's the thing with hate, just to jump on there a little bit. Like, I feel like hate is probably the easiest one and it takes a lot more to move past that to love. But hate is also just you carrying weight around. Like people, you know, like a whole group of like the whole Muslim community wouldn't know that you hated them and they probably wouldn't care, to be honest, either. Whereas you carrying that hate around yourself is just such a heavy thing to do. So it's great that you kind of moved past that into love and, you know, didn't go there for your own sake because it's, you know, so much obviously lighter and happier to be loving rather than hateful. So 
exactly (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for this conversation it was lovely thank you thank you you, rosie thank you jeremy now we thank you for for sharing your story with us and with with everyone (laughs) now uh, everyone is gonna know about it now uh and i really hope it's gonna help you know like we said before we started the recording if 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 this conversation can help one person uh that'll be that'll make my day (laughs) absolutely i i ask everyone where can we find you on socials do you have instagram or anything like that people can contact you i have both instagram and facebook Yadira Santana Dowling is my full name. Okay, perfect. I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, Jamie will put a link. So if you want to go over and say hello from, you know, say that you've come from the podcast, that'd be great. <laughs> um, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Please do um, subscribe. Is that right? Yep. Subscribe for more podcasts. We record every single week and we have new podcasts every single Wednesday. So make sure you come back for more. Thank you so much, Yadira. Yadira, oh my God, messed up. (laughs) Thank you so much, Yadira, for coming on the podcast. It was wonderful. And yeah, thank you for tuning in again and we'll see you next week, guys. Bye-bye. Wait, wait, wait. Don't leave yet. Um, Yeah, sorry, guys. Um, So usually this is where the episode ends um well usually we keep talking a little bit with our guests and i usually keep the recording on uh there's usually nothing really valuable in it uh, but actually this time uh, we kept talking about the the subject with yalira and i thought that the little chat we had it's about five minutes long uh was pretty interesting and was worth sharing uh so the episode is not finished just yet there is a few minutes left and then it'll be finished for good next time so yeah keep listening okay okay good awesome (laughs) let me put that that was fun (laughs) thank you (laughs) that was so beautiful like thank you obviously it was sad and obviously it was a huge thing but it was also beautiful the way that you explained it and the way you talked about it yeah thank you thank you you for sharing and taking the time for us (laughs) thank you for asking i don't think i had ever done that you know gone through the sequence of events from then Mm. till now but yeah I was probably kind of therapeutic as well for you to kind of go over it and (laughs) you know talk about it again because i think sometimes the more you talk about things the less painful it becomes or the easier it becomes to kind of yeah and uh i I didn't i don't realize like sometimes how much i don't share about it until um it was our our last part of our part three when i mentioned it and a lot of people in the room did not know yeah Um, i think it was the last day literally right something yeah (laughs) you know so it's like and people ask you know somebody asked me like oh how come we don't we've been three months with you and we don't know that and i'm like well first of all i don't want people to think that I talk about it because I want this type of attention at this point. Um, and what I do want people to know is that I am the person that I am today because I lived through that too, you know, because now you could see that how everything is interconnected in my life and my, yeah. my perception, how I treat people, how I deal with people. Um, and I, I'm truly, I, I, sometimes I describe myself as Switzerland cause I'm like, yes, I get along with everybody. <laughs> You know, even at work, yes, there are difficult people at work and they will still think I am their friend, (laughs) you know, and so, and it is like, life is too short, you know, life is too short, so. I guess it's tricky because also, like you said, like you don't want to drag all the attention on you and also like, that doesn't define you, that's Mm -hmm. not like who you are, like you, you are yourself and that's something that happened in your life, but you don't also want to make it like the thing that that defines you as a person and it's like yadira like the so like you you are who you are and that's something that happened to you but you don't want also yeah to be defined and to have all your life evolving around Mm -hmm. that single event because you're bigger than that and and at one point i did wonder like can i put this path you know Mm. because then i was like am i doing enough for my friend's kids right after like or beating myself up for not keeping in touch with some of those families you know Mm. and i'm like at some point i'm gonna have to just live my life and let it sort itself out you know so because of that too like it's a constant figuring out what is the right balance what is the right balance for me 
Um, and when I became a mom and consumed with my life, it's like, do I really have time for a lot of other things? Or is it fine that most of the year I don't think about this, you know? And then for some reason I'm reminded around that time, you know? All right, this time is actually the end. Uh, thank you guys for staying a little bit longer than usual. Uh, I hope uh, those last few minutes uh, were interesting. Um, yeah, just thank you again for listening to this episode. I hope uh, you enjoyed it and we'll see you next Wednesday. Bye. <laughs>